Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the session. It's good to be back. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. Got a great show for you today. My old friend, Rye Bevel, is back in the studio today with the Japan Beer Times and other uh, publications as well. Uh, he's been on a couple times now talking so I think about... this is uh, my fourth time. Actually. Is that right? I think so. We must like you around yes, here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and you and I have been talking uh, just through, uh, over email over the last couple years, mm-hmm. um, just before COVID, during COVID, and every time we come up with a new show topic list. Um, and we're finally back in here uh, doing shows this year. So I thought, all right, it's time to it's time to get Rye back in here and talk about some things. So we're going to be doing that today. We're going to be talking about acquisitions. I'm sure you all know that uh, Sapporo recently purchased uh, Stone Brewing. Big surprise in the beer world. Maybe not to everybody. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And um, there's been a few uh, since we've last spoke anyway. Um, and and just kind of the get an update on the, on the beer scene in Japan. I know it was hit um, like a lot of places, but maybe quite quite worse in Japan um, over COVID and and the reaction to that. So uh, we're going to learn all about that today with Rye. So just hang in there with us. I want to thank our sponsor, More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com and check them out. Um, you can also check the show notes of this very show and click on all sorts of links. Uh, and it's our, it helps us out uh, if you do your more beer shopping by clicking the links in the in the show notes. Uh, be, sh- be sure to check out the Comos line of everything. It's all my favorite new stuff from more beer. The, the jockey boxes, the kegerators, you name it. Uh, over at morebeer.com. All right. So before moving on, 
Uh, I wanted to do a little beer news, uh, just to, because some of it was topical for this. Of course, the, the big news over the last uh, several weeks was uh, Stone being purchased, and um, we're going to talk all about that. But I also just recently learned, uh, I think I was a little behind the times on this one, but um, it looks like Maui Brewing is going to acquire Modern Times. Uh, so apparently Modern Times, due to a bankruptcy status, went up for auction. And Maui had actually lost the bid on that. But there were some confusing things that happened where the the winning bidder was actually outbid by like $100,000. But somehow the auction didn't recognize that second bid. So they gave it to the... Uh, the winning bidder, which are the same people that bought back Ballast Point. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so the judge upheld, you know, after going to court with this second bidder, the judge ended up upholding the winner, which is Kings and Convicts. I think it has another, their, their, their ownership group has another name. Well, by the time they got done with the court and the ruling that their winning bid could go ahead and stand, they backed out. And said, well, we don't want it now anyway. And that left it to the backup bidder, which is my friend Garrett at Maui Brewing Company. Great guy, too. Yeah, and and knows what he's doing. So I think, you know, Modern Times had a lot of management issues and, and some really dynamic and fast growth that I think they had trouble keeping up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, they got a lot of bad press uh, during the uh, Me Too movement for some things that had been going on with management. Um, so anyhow, uh, I think that Maui is just the right type of company to take that brand back. What I don't know is if they're going to keep it as modern times or switch it all over to Maui. Um, I couldn't get Garrett on for this, um, so I'll have to do a follow-up. We're going to be doing some more of these like acquisition-type shows. Um, we're going to have my friend Jamil on. We haven't had him on the session in a while. I think he's in a good position to talk about acquisitions right now. Um, and yeah, I want to find out if, he, if he's going to keep it uh, as modern times. And interestingly, they own, at least they used to, quite a few tap rooms, correct? They had uh, the Modern Times tap room up in Portland. But they, they shut a bunch shut of them. That one down. Okay, and then there was the one in Temescal. Yeah, and I, so I don't know how many they have left. Mm-hmm. But what they do have is a nice-sized brewing facility down in San Diego, and I'm certain that that's what Garrett is interested in. Also, if I had to guess, he's a stickler about Maui beer. He brewed in Maui, right? Right. So I'm guessing he might keep the Modern Times moniker, um, but you never know. And why not? They had good branding. They had good beer. I yeah. Think, yeah, it's a, it's a brand new with legs still. I think so, too. The, it, it Other than the bad press that they got, and by the way, I shouldn't just call it bad press. Other than the bad things that were occurring within the company uh, that needed to be fixed, and in fact, their CEO had to had to step down. Um, you know, I think they made some real changes as they needed to. Um, other than that blemish, I, I don't think they really had any blemishes before that. Other, th- I just think that there was probably some management issues in that, like, fast of a growth cycle that they went through. So it'll be super interesting to find out what happens. It's not a, a completely done deal yet um, the, that Maui has, has acquired them, but it looks like it's, like it's moving forward. So we'll find out. Stay tuned. The other thing I wanted to cover, and 
I wanted. I read about this in the Los Angeles Times about a week ago, and I wanted to cover it because I've been uh, not on the show, but in my personal life, I've been going on rants lately about the broken recycling system, and I guess I've been going on rants about California in general because we have a lot of problems here in this state that have grown out of control, despite our um. I don't know what to even call it. Our best efforts to be a progressive state, our our best efforts to uh, be leaders in 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 policy, green policy, uh, for example, uh, housing policies. But you know what? We are screwing it up left and right. Uh, we're seeing the housing shortage and homelessness issue right here in front of the hop grenade. I'm now working with the city on a weekly basis about programs to help right around here. Um, so you've got that sort of thing happening. But the other thing I've been really upset about in recent years is our recycling program. And this one I'm upset about because it's a bold-faced lie. And it's one of those things that California tries to pride itself on, correct? You yes. This green policy, and yet here you have dysfunctional yes. system in place for the recycling. It's very dysfunctional. And, in fa- and, and so we were one of the first to start a real residential um, uh, recycling program. And, to, and it had quite a lot of success in the beginning. But it's only gotten worse instead of better as time has gone on. And what it's resulting in and what the, the Los Angeles Times was reporting on is uh, that small breweries are having trouble getting cans again. There's not enough aluminum to go around. And, and that's particularly true with beer cans because a lot of recycled aluminum is needed to keep up with demand. And demand has skyrocketed for, for craft brewers because... Most of them have switched to cans. Mm. Russian River, once again, might be the smartest brewery on earth, having stuck it out with that bottle that that is on the shelf. Um, So one of the biggest problems is uh, because of the failed recycling system in California, which kind of stems around um, whether you're using a single stream or a multi-stream type of recycling process. California uh, has been touting a successful multi-stream process or single stream process because we put all of our recyclables into one big garbage can, at least up here in the Bay Area, recycling can, and they come pick it up and they tell us, don't worry, we're going to do all the sorting for you. But the truth is, that's not the truth. And contamination occurring is causing a massive amount of the recyclables that we're putting into those single stream cans ending up in the landfill. And it's because we're not being told that we should be separating, that they should be separating, and that our single can stream of recycling is a complete failure. Our efficiency in recycling has gone down something like 35% over the last decade, when it really should have been going the opposite way. We should have been recycling more than we ever were. And instead, we're recycling less. And at the same time, it really bothers me because we pay for that recycling mm-hmm. to go away. So years ago, California starts the CRV program where you're essentially you're supposed to get back cash for returning your cans. And we had all of these sort of local recycling stations, uh, either at the grocery store itself or often in the grocery store parking lot, they would subcontract. Well, when the price of recycling, uh, the price of metals dropped drastically um, about a decade ago, all of those smaller recycling centers started closing. So now you can't even find a place 
to take your recyclables. You have to pay the garbage company to come take them. So you don't, not only are you not getting your CRV back, which you're still being charged, you're spending an additional fee to have them take it away and they get the CRV back. And then of course the cost of the aluminum. And to me, it's a scam. It's a complete scam for for cash. And so I was already upset about that. And then I find out that it's uh, because uh, not only am I paying for it, the materials are actually not even being recycled at all. They're still just going to a landfill. And by law, I have to pay them to take it. Um, and and now brewers uh, are finding themselves uh, unable to get cans. Uh, one of the largest uh, uh, can manufacturers uh, came out just this year and said, we're not even going to take orders for less than five truckloads. Now, five truckloads of aluminum cans is actually about a lifetime of beer for some small craft brewers who have switched over to canning. And when you say truckloads, are you talking like 20 foot, 40 foot? The biggest truck you can find. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it almost gets rid of everybody except for Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, now owned by a larger brewery anyway, so that they can buy together. Like, so all of the purchasing power kind of fits right into the acquisition topics that we're going to do. goes to these larger companies, right? Because they can buy these things by the boatload. Um, but smaller ones can't do it. Uh, quoted in the article, uh, our friend from Beachwood, uh, Julian Schrago, down there, he just said, he, he ended up solving the problem for now, but he said we had to dip into essentially all of our cash reserves to buy as much aluminum as we possibly could. Because you storage issues as well. You know, the, where are you going to park it? Right. Exactly right. So it's a massive issue. And um, according to the, to the LA Times, uh, it's part of it is, is the recycling program about 73 percent of an of any single aluminum can comes from recycled scrap um and of course demand for canned beverages has boomed um but the patchwork of recycling and recovery centers has waned they're they're just they're gone and so i don't know i'm bringing it up because i think it's a massive problem and i hope people start making noise myself included um yeah that 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 our our recycling system is broken, and and the kind of loud and proud uh, California green message, that's a bit of bullshit. <laughs> and I think it's important that we start talking about that. Like, why is it okay to just lie about these things? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying you have to just stop doing it right now, but let's stop saying it's working uh, because it's just it's it's really not. About 766 million aluminum cans wound up a, in landfills. Um, yeah, unacceptable. <laughs> it's really, especially when again, and this is where I just get angry about it. You're paying someone to take that away from your house. Mm-hmm. You put it in the separate bin for them. You do all the things. I did find. I'm now. Uh, I did find. Uh, there's a lone recycling center left in California. I'm going to start. Not not in. Sorry, left in Concord okay, in Concord. my town here. That's, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. I know That's one in Berkeley. For, yeah, yeah. No, forgive me. <laughs> left in Concord here, mm-hmm. and I'm going to start bringing my aluminum cans to them. And honestly, it's the principle of the thing. Because I went looking to see, um, like, okay, how many cans do I have to bring back? I figure, like, I'm going to stock them up and get, like, 100 bucks, right? Like, I'm not going to take them every week, right? I'm going to smash them and put them in a... (laughs) Take me, like... 2,000 cans before I can get 100 bucks. Wow. Like, like the price is just not all that great. But you know what? On the principle of the thing. Exactly. And uh, 
you know, I, I bought my first BMX bike when I was a kid by collecting aluminum cans from the baseball fields. And I was going to take my daughter out to, you know, you want to collect some cans, like just teach her, you know? Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. I mean, they literally have a cash value, every mm -hmm. one of them. Now, there's another law that was passed in California that says supermarkets, since they sell them and charge us the state mandated CRV, they're required by law to take them back from us. Oh, interesting. But they don't. Uh, they just, they literally refuse. And nobody is enforcing that law. And I'm telling you, so it's a scam left and right. What's the point of a law if you don't enforce it? hundred <laughs> percent. So I just, and I just don't understand it. And, and, and meanwhile, and it's frustrating, you and I were talking before the show, to hear, you know, our governor Newsom, uh, you know, on, on TV. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm neither for or against him as a politician. Um, I think every politician has, uh, has uh, their goods and their bads. But it's frustrating to hear him tout Green California mm -hmm. and when, when he knows full well that this is happening. And, and this is something, you know, you want him to succeed at, right? Yeah. You, you don't want this to be dysfunctional. Right. So. And I think both sides of the aisle could really accept that. There's mm -hmm. no reason, even if you don't believe in global warming or whatever, I don't when, care. When you can't get your beer, it's a problem, right? <laughs> it's a problem. From both sides. It's a problem. This is what... And who doesn't think that we shouldn't waste resources? Like, mm -hmm. no matter what just don't be wasteful and if we don't have cans what are we we're going to drink out of yeah. deer skin pouches well we'll Milk go cartons. back to yeah exactly we'll go back to something and then we'll have a shortage of that there was a glass shortage not too long ago so Jer it just germany's it keeps... having that problem too yeah it's a huge problem in germany so let's stick to the cans let's recycle them and let's get it right there we go there we go um all right so i just wanted to bring that to your attention uh you can search the article yourself there's a lot of info in there but uh just start it's in the la times it's called brewers need cans and then it talks about how california California's broken recycling system is making them hard to find. All right. And the last little thing I have in the news, uh, Great American Beer Festival is coming back this year. Uh, it's a little bit smaller than usual um, based on they're doing some renovations at the Denver Convention Center. But it is back as an in-person festival this year. I'm going. I'm doing the awards and all of that stuff for them as usual. Were you at the World Beer Cup recently as well? I was. I streamed the awards for them there oh, too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, GABF, real quick, it takes place uh, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. And I think tickets are on sale if you nice. want to go check it out. Yeah, I did the World Beer Cup in uh, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Right? Which, uh, did you hear? It's now an annual thing. I did. I was... At, you know, there for the CBC, not, not, I didn't stay around for the ceremony, but it's like, wow, yearly, that's, yeah, that's, um, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I had this thought when, when I found out about that before, um, before it was announced. And my first thought was that, ah, I wonder if international brewers will not be so stoked about that. It's, but what I was told was, the the requests they were getting to make it annual were actually more from international brewers. That's interesting. So that surprised me. I just thought maybe they didn't mm -hmm. want the expense uh, and the and the trip every year. But uh, I I think my assumption was wrong. Maybe they want the trip every year. Yeah, they exactly. love coming uh, to America and drinking. It's pretty and, fun, mm -hmm. and I think it's in Nashville again next year. And, yeah, Nashville wasn't bad. Yeah, you know like when, when we went earlier, it was it was fun. Love that town. So good way to do it. Um, but yeah. I was happy to see, uh, and uh, some Japanese brewers uh, took home some some medal. Yeah, Japan did very well. Really, uh, several gold medals. I think there was a, a silver and a bronze, and then there was a surprise win that we can talk about now or later, depending on how you want to roll with this one. No, let's talk about it now. So, um, 
a brewery called Hewa Shuzo won a gold medal, I believe, in the Irish red category. Well, Hewa Shuzo is a very popular sake brewery. Okay. And it was a big surprise in Japan. Wait, what? A sake brewery won a gold medal? We didn't even know they were brewing. We knew they were brewing uh, ah, beer. Okay. Um, we, had, we had spoken with them, but they'd only been brewing for a few years and um, won the gold medal in the Irish red ale category, which is, you know, impressive. Yeah. And in some ways, not surprising. This is an excellent sake brewery. Uh, they have a very popular product that I enjoy. You can actually get it in the, in the Bay Area, some of their sake products. So, you know, a good sake brewery is going to understand how to brew beer the right way. They're good about sanitation, controls, you know, recipe making. Um, and, and they did. And the reason why they were brewing beer, to use that as a, as a segue into our larger discussion, is that um, they received probably a, a government grant to pivot to beer production. And there are uh, quite a lot of sake breweries that are receiving grants to pivot. I see. Uh, just as beer breweries are receiving grants to pivot into, for example, distilling. Um, so there's these grants available now in Japan post-COVID, or rather, at least post these past two years of paying, yeah. to encourage businesses to pivot into some sort of new business to to help them out. I see. And I, I believe that's how Heiwa Shuzo did it. If they didn't and just decided to brew beer, which some sake breweries do fine you know hitachi no nest everyone knows them they're, they're originally a fifth generation sake brewery they still brew sake but their beer is is better known okay um, so they're not giving up on sake any of these pivots so, it's just adding to yeah, the no way they'd give up on sake they're I okay mean, they're multi-generational sake brewing family got um, it you know there's a 15th 16th generation sake brewery in japan they've been around since 1550 called konishi and they brew beer as well i mean it's you know you kind of do both i see know, often I mean, the equipment's probably so similar, and like you said, if they're already good at the sanitation side of things, obviously fermenting, mm -hmm. uh, so it's not a massive leap to, to be not. able to uh, make good beer. Actually, sake is much more difficult to brew than, than uh, beer. Okay. So if they can brew sake well, you would guess they would brew beer well. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, well, why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break, mm -hmm. and when we come back, I, yeah, I want to find out what kind of happened to the alcohol industry in Japan during COVID and, and how that affected things and, and how it's looking now. Let me put on my crash dummy gear. Hang on. We'll be right back with Rye. Welcome back to the show. We are still speaking with Rye, and uh, we're talking about beer in Japan, a little bit of sake in Japan, too, while we're at it. Um, and before the break, like I said, I wanted to find out a little bit more about how uh, Japan, and in, in, in particular the alcohol industry, was affected by COVID. I guess we should say COVID restrictions is probably mm -hmm. what, uh, what happened. So mm -hmm. what was the, the, the general uh, approach uh, by the Japanese government? Well... As we all know, alcohol causes COVID, so you must <laughs> shut down all drinking of alcohol to prevent the spread of COVID. And is that really what happened? They did like no alcohol. There were there were they've been there have been several shutdowns, lockdowns. Yeah, uh, you know, three or four, and, and some they've been differing degrees of severity. But some of them have been no alcohol sales, um, or no alcohol sales after. 5 p.m. because that's when like gremlins yeah covid comes out and starts to get you <laughs> right right you're right drinking alcohol after 5 p.m. here comes covid now so, are you talking about just at bars or like even at the at the store um so you could go to the grocery store and you could get alcohol but okay. you could not go to a bar or a restaurant so restaurants had to stop serving alcohol and you know if you're a family restaurant or you know something like that fine but if you're a tap room yeah 
or you know any any sort of brew pub, either you stop selling alcohol, right? And serve tea with your yeah. hamburgers and fries, or or you just shut down. Wow! And so a lot of places just closed. Wow! Closed. And now, and was there be, government aid for to them? To be fair, there okay. was aid. Now there wasn't enough <clears throat> aid to tied businesses over mm-hmm. it's just not enough if you're now if you're a, a like a sole proprietor mm-hmm. and you're, you're the only man or woman behind the bar and just running the place by yourself it actually made more sense to shut down and take the government grant because right yeah you get more money that way i see uh, so there was a you know a few people that shut down hey i'm not working i'm just gonna you know take these handouts but if you you had you know, three or four employees or anything like that and you had to support the money wasn't wasn't enough right and yet you couldn't sell alcohol wow it was it was it was brutal um i i'm shocked more places didn't go out of business sure um the places that did well had canning lines okay um on order or they they pivoted very quickly so that was a saving grace you know we the irony of our talking about canning and its importance uh for breweries to get their product to consumers um you know, was highlighted by the this situation in Japan, where if, if you weren't canning, you were done. Wow. Um, one good thing about Japan is um, there's very little regulation when it comes to how you sell alcohol and where. In other words, um, you, you know, you could take a beer and, and walk out into the street and hmm. onto the subway and drink that beer, and, and it's nothing wrong with it. Okay. You can ship beer directly to the consumer. Uh, at their house all the way around the country yeah, so okay um uh, a lot of breweries <clears throat> pivoted very quickly toward ec sites selling their their beer um obviously there was a lot of social media activity hey folks we're struggling so please order beer from our website takeaways were okay but again most places make a lot of their money from guests coming drinking mm. beers and then eating yeah but if you can't have beer why would you come and eat right so this became, you know, a big conundrum. You know, what, should we stay open? Should we just shut down? Is it worth it? And and people lost a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. Um, and how many months are we talking? Did some of these closures ooh, go on? So I I can remember four <coughs> shutdowns or relative shutdowns, meaning you guys can serve alcohol, but at five p.m. Mm. You, you can't, or at six p.m. you have to close your store because COVID comes out after six p.m. Mm. Um. But there were some that lasted weeks okay. or months. Or like, months, Let's yeah. just say, you know, two months. Uh, there was a pr- particularly harsh one. Uh, was it, gosh, this this past spring, I remember we came out of it and thought, oh my gosh, please say this is the, like, yeah. the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, were you we, living there this whole time? I was not. Okay. Um, so this this is what's, you know, interesting. I, I've been, you know, I, I lived in Japan 15 years. I, I started Japan Beer Times uh, about 12 years ago. Yeah. And um, left, came back to the Bay Area about, I don't know, seven years ago, because in the age of, of um, Skype and Zoom, you can be in here, I can re- yeah. remotely um, manage my business. And I was going back and forth every, every two months, and okay. that, that yeah. was sufficient. But COVID came. The last I was there was February 2020, just as it was, as it was coming. The zombie ship. Yeah. If you remember the zombie cruise ship coming in <laughs> yeah, to Japan yeah. and Yokohama. I was there. I saw it. I was like, ooh, that's a boat parked off and everyone in there has, yeah. you know, that thing called COVID. Wow. And then I flew out and I haven't been able to get back to Japan since then. Really? Just travel restrictions? Restrictions. Now, there there are ways of getting in, mm. uh, but it, you know, quarantine. So you, you, the quarantines were pretty strict, actually. You'd have to do 
you know, a week, 10 days. And yeah. if you happen to have COVID, then, you know, there goes your trip. Yep. Uh, and you know, I have a family here. I can't, I can't go and quarantine for five days, 10 days yeah. and then spend seven Another. days and then you know, come back. It just wasn't realistic. So yeah. it, it's been rough, but at the same time, I clearly hired the right people because okay, they kept yeah. the business going Beautiful in hard times, right? Because And working from home mostly probably themselves. Working from home, yeah. yeah. And you know, we're, we're an advertising-driven mm-hmm. magazine. We do have subscriptions, and it's great that we had that stability from, or, or, or rather that ballast from the subscriptions, but we're primarily ad-driven. And why would a, a, a brew pub or anyone advertise with us if they're shut down? If they're closed. Yeah. Yeah. So this was hard. It was hard for everyone. We, we had issues with that here yeah. too. Yeah. Just advertisers pulling back the purse strings. Uh, and even a lot of it was just uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they might not have been hit too hard just yet, but the uncertainty of when the other shoe was going to drop. Exactly. You know. And we, we got great support <clears throat> from certain advertisers. Uh, we we had I mean one I would if, if it's okay I'd like to shout out that yeah. Yoho makers of Yona Yona wrote to us and said hey don't worry we've got your back nice wow um, you know actually can we sign a two year ad contract with you we we and and that was very awesome of them yeah absolutely um, and there were a lot of other you know places that that said we really like what you're doing it's not about the money just keep it going and help us out when you can so it was it was great to feel that sense of craft beer community that yeah used to be really strong in the craft beer community there's a feeling that it's a you know a little thinner these days yeah. right but yeah. it, it it came it came together at the right time and we all looked out for each other supported each other and there were businesses that went under but not as much as you would have expected given that sure. there were these full-on alcohol lockdowns right so well and then so before covid and mm-hmm. and for years before covid Japan had been planning also for the Olympics, exactly, and which is just a massive investment Mm -hmm. in infrastructure. But I think the reason countries bid on that and and acquire it is because it can really be a boon for all sorts of things. Okay, except (laughs) except all of that planning and hopefulness was before COVID. Right. Okay. So then the Olympics come around and. You know, even from the outside perspective here back in the U.S., well, which is how you were watching mm-hmm. the Olympics, too, mm-hmm. you could really kind of tell, oh, man, this is not going well. Yeah, that first, mm-hmm. as we entered the spring, um, there was a lot of unknowns about COVID, and yeah, we were like, the Olympics aren't going to happen. What do we do? Right. And, and we had all prepared, everyone, breweries, everyone had, had ramped up. I, I think, you, you know, we also import... Malt to Japan is a sort of side business, and and, and we had imported containers, oh, containers wow. of malt, yeah, for all these breweries that thought they would need to to brew this beer. So everyone had you know really ramped up production sure. and and you know invested all this money into the expected crowds that they would have in the demand, and then suddenly nothing happening in twenty twenty. They the, the government carried it on as far as they possibly could before canceling. Yeah. And I've heard rumor, well, there weren't rumors. I've, I've heard from politicians yeah. uh, through back channels that it was a stare down with the insurance companies. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so they, they tried to keep the Olympics alive for the longest time that they could before. And they finally said, ain't going to happen. <laughs> right. And, wow. but they postponed it for a year. Yeah. So Japan was absolutely determined to, host these olympics it was their big dream it was a surprise that they won the olympics okay a little bit of backroom stuff going on yeah but let's put that aside they were they won the olympic bid for better or worse 
they were so determined to have it. This wow. wasn't just the economic benefits. It was a mash. It was a matter of national pride. Yeah. Uh, Japan's big on soft power, um, or, or you know, extending their culture throughout the world and being seen as as a nation. So they were absolutely determined to host those Olympics in 2021. Even though it had to be clear that it was not going to be a financial success. Yeah. Even in 2021. By that point, it didn't matter. So yeah. How do you host a safe Olympics? Mm. I mean, you go totally all in on the restrictions mm. you make sure you do everything you can to to keep covid contained to keep the numbers down so then came the sledgehammer again on the alcohol industry uh, you know, it's all the bars that are causing the spread of covid right meanwhile you could have like concerts and baseball games going on but the alcohol <laughs> so, industry is causing you know yeah it's the, it, it was it was just like we we would call up other brewers and like why is the hammer coming down what mm-hmm. why mm. And you would think that Kirin and, and Sapporo and these larger beer companies would also be impacted. Of course, they were impacted by it. Sure. Where is their lobbying power? Why weren't they pushing back and saying, hey, why why is the alcohol industry being picked on here? Yeah. Well, it happened here, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, we were asking the same questions here, uh, you know, and the answers were, okay, well, it's because you get loud and touchy and everything else yes. when you're out at a crowded bar, but you don't do that at wherever you know i don't know where they where they thought mm-hmm. and but i was having the same questions like where is the lobby on this mm-hmm. because the airlines are doing all right they're getting a ton of help mm-hmm. um so they they have a massive lobby like anybody so and i just thought the same thing yeah obviously it wasn't going to be the craft beer lobby mm-hmm. but what about um you know seagram's like mm-hmm. the the alcohol like the full liquor lobby right because it wasn't just it wasn't just beer it was alcohol yeah. in japan yeah, so yeah. that's important I'm, thank you for pointing that out yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and, and and here too uh, although i think to a lesser degree but i was st- i still had the same questions that you're asking and that yeah like w- where's the lobby on this come on guys it, it could have been just a you know a, a political decision let's yep. make the boogeyman the alcohol industry something alone, to yeah. buy it and then as politicians we'll look like we're actually trying to do something i, th- I think that's a fair assessment all, all over the world or at least in in this country too i think that's pretty fair but what's interesting, there were speakeasies in Japan. Oh, yeah. nice. People were opening up. You knew where to go if you wanted to have your beer. And, and, okay. and, and, and people did. And you can say, well, that's risky. That's irresponsible. Well, actually, you know, Japan's got a pretty good record with COVID. The mm-hmm. cases have been low and you know, people aren't dying en masse like they are in, in, in America. Right. You know, it's like a million people have died. And, you know, in Japan, it's, you know, not, not to no, those Nowhere near. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a fairly healthy country right um longest um life expectancy in the world maybe maybe monaco is is higher but Mm. um Mm -hmm. you know people made their own decisions and yeah snuck out to the speakeasy and had a few beers and so i mean at some point these things are going to happen right you know and you know early on i you know is me and and some of my friends we'd see that happening not not at not at a speakeasy but Mm -hmm. like house parties and Mm -hmm. stuff and and we were i was upset by it because Mm -hmm. uh, my business was still being shut down and so there was a part of me who thought you know this that's irresponsible and you're not being a part of the solution and but i was frustrated by so many things by mm-hmm. us being targeted and picked on as an industry right so mm-hmm. as as time went on i started to understand it more that it was just like you know these are young people that aren't dying mm-hmm. and and the restrictions have gotten to be so tiring and mm-hmm. cumbersome that this is just human nature. I stopped being upset with mm-hmm. these people and just understanding a little more about human nature. And, and shockingly in Japan, I mean, this is a place with quite a high level of social conformity, mm. rule following. Mm-hmm. People started, it wasn't, it, it, 
from the speakeasies, it just moved into businesses uh, flaunting the restrictions, saying, we don't care. This is silly. We're just going to open up. It's wow. dumb. If, like, why, why, why can there be sporting events indoors where everyone can gather? But yeah. We can't serve alcohol. That's silly. So, you know, everyone, we're open. And there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, authorities? You, you, no. So yeah. you, would, you would have expected there to be social backlash. Because in Japan, you know, if you're the, the nail that sticks out, you get hammered down. Okay. Um, yeah. But there were so many businesses doing it. And the government eventually kind of realized, this is gonna happen. how are we going to enforce this? We're going to ask people to conform. And there were businesses that... You know, acted responsibly in the context of, of the government's directives, yeah. but there were other businesses that said, let people make their own choices. Our bars are open. If you want to come and drink, drink. There and, you go. And defied yeah. the regulations. Now, that didn't happen in the beginning, but I would say after a year, people are like, enough's enough. Yeah. What do we have to lose? Our business is going to go under if we don't. So let's just open up and let, yeah. let you know, let the See, dice roll. And interestingly, you know, th- that was starting to happen here too, but our government cracked down even more. Even our local government here, uh, our our county supervisors. Oh boy, <laughs> I could I could go on this about is Contra them. Costa, correct? Contra Costa, and we've got one. Her office is right behind me, right here, and uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, very stern letters were being written from this office wow. <laughs> about there because they were out. They were sending out county health officials to find businesses that were doing just what you were saying right and we didn't have to defy the rules here yet per se but had things kept going there were discussions about that Mm. you know okay how much is the fine going to be and i just was kind of flabbergasted that they would have the balls to even go do that at Mm. its in other words and these are these are conversations everybody's had so forgive me that it's maybe a little redundant at this point but you know if the decision is to go out of business and and that affects your family or defy the rules so that you can make a little cash and maybe get some fines you're putting me in a very difficult position aren't mm-hmm. you um so in, in other words I, I actually think the authorities here were harder on on businesses than it sounds like they were in japan that's that's really interesting you know <laughs> and you know another thing with japan uh, as you've seen everyone commutes right yeah yeah these trains and you've seen how packed the trains <laughs> yeah. are so yeah. wait a minute People commute in the trains to the office, but we can't go to a bar. Like, drink. come on. Everybody knows. And, and by that time, too, by 21, right, we know full well how everybody's getting it, mm-hmm. right? And it's in a small, confined, not very ventilated space like a train. Yes. <laughs> so that's yes. just the silliest. Yeah. yeah. But I think that you're right that it, um, there had to be an appearance of of we're doing something mm-hmm. when truthfully... No one knew what the fuck to do. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for the documentaries that are going to come out in a decade. I would, I would like to see the real data. <clears throat> yep. You know, yep. I want to know all the and things. I keep an open mind. It's like, okay, did the yeah. masks work? Did they not? Yes. Yeah. You know, Japan is high level of masking. So that it wasn't like everyone was being necessarily irresponsible. People yeah. were still practicing hygiene. But let's let's look at the data. Let's figure out why Japan has done so well during the pandemic mm, yeah and they have and they continue it's all it's been a mystery and in, in some of it I, I agree you know it's hard to get tested in japan so there is a level of suppression of data okay but at the same time people aren't dying yeah and japan's a very healthy country yeah yeah but people are still commuting and trains and packing in there i mean there's there's all yeah. these variables and i just i just kind of want to know i know right i can't wait but, but one thing i do know 
is that the COVID gremlins don't just come out <laughs> after 6 p.m. when you're drinking alcohol. I mean, <laughs> right. This is something everyone yeah. understood. Like, you don't why? need any data to show you that. I don't. Yeah. It's like you, you can catch COVID during lunch and you can catch it drinking a pint and you're, you're local. And, and you already mentioned that, well, when you get drunk, you have bad behavior and you start pulling down your mask and getting close to people. But, you know. Yeah. But at that point, I mean, I, I just, I think it's irrelevant, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I don't know either. I'm not going to stand too high on my soapbox mm-hmm. without seeing the data, too. I just don't think we're going to see it for a very long time. And, I, and the other thing I, I, I want is I want to know about the real conversations that were being had, too, before certain restrictions were decided upon. I want to be in the room when it ha- where it happens. Yeah, so totally. And, and we'll, <laughs> we'll find out one day. Mm-hmm. You know, it, It'll either be a, a, a fictional uh, a tell-all movie or, or a documentary. Mm-hmm. We will find these things out, and I hope I'm still alive mm-hmm. because I think it's going to be fascinating uh, and, and probably uh, pretty frustrating <laughs> to, watch, to find out, too. I mean, like... So we keep saying the alcohol industry, but in both with my own location and, and brew pubs, like you mentioned in Japan, let's just talk about the restaurant industry really as a whole, because the restaurant industry, which I include as bars in, um, that's what was really targeted. So you didn't even have to just be a manufacturer of alcohol. Right. right. Um, and, and the, the numbers even that we do have about failed restaurants um, in my state across the country, they're already staggering. They're fucking staggering wow. how many have, have closed. Um, and, and, and those closures aren't done yet. Um, and these are small businesses uh, that I'd like to add. They're small businesses that yeah. traditionally uh, hire a lot of people. Um, it's not like a, a big industrialized business that's running on machinery so small businesses restaurants are very important to our economy yeah to to a sense of people's well-being you know to be involved in something and to have that camaraderie at work so it's yeah been devastating and so has it bounced back in japan so that that's the good news uh i I would definitely say it's bounced back we um talk to not just our advertisers but you know people in general how are things going a few places say hey we're back to pre pandemic levels even though japan still doesn't have inbound tourism you still can't okay can't go to japan they sort of have tried these trial tours but there's still no inbound tourism in japan and that's huge it's a big part of the economy Hmm. nevertheless some businesses have still bounced back um others haven't they're operating at anywhere between 60 and 80 percent is Hmm. what a lot of folks tell us uh but interestingly there's lots of brew pub openings going on Hmm. that have happened throughout the pandemic because japan is an old country an old civilization they just have a longer timeline than americans we've our country's been around 200 years and like i said konishi brewery been around since 1550 they just have a different way of looking at things they've been through so much they're looking way ahead yeah and and it it really influences the culture as a whole, their perspective. You know, this is just one of the bumps in the road and they're, they're looking forward. So a lot of people kept moving forward with their business plans. Hmm. Whereas here in America, you, you know, you pull the plug quickly, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, big bummer for me was, you know, Mickler Bar going down in San Francisco. They you know, pulled the plug on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Japan, they, they kept moving forward on these brew pub openings. And so there's been, um, you know, dozens and dozens of new openings during the pandemic, despite these terrible conditions. Wow. So wow, yeah, perseverance. I mean, sure, it's it's big in Japan. This the perseverance, the the whole word. Yeah. Um, and so now Japanese 
I would say Japanese breweries, including brew pubs, were approaching 500. Okay. I haven't looked at the recent numbers. And pre-pandemic, it was probably, you know, a little over, maybe 350. Again, I'm just tossing out rough numbers. But sure. to give you an idea, yeah, you know, there's been probably been about 100 openings that's during pretty, the pandemic. That's impressive. In, in a, you know, in America where you have, what, six, seven, eight thousand breweries, it's, it's small. But in Japan where, you know, you're talking, gosh, 20 20 percent increase of, of of brew pub openings it's a big deal yeah so, so there that's must, the good news yeah i so i wonder too perseverance but also there must be some some funding behind that i mean um there, there was probably funding that had been secured pre pre-pandemic yeah and then f- funding in spite of it all whether, yeah. whether you call it denial or just a long <laughs> long view right and then of course there there have been government grants to pivot <clears throat> And it doesn't necessarily have to be a sake brewery or a distillery or whatever. You you could be a, a pizza shop and you could get this grant to pivot and, and open up a brew pub. I see. Uh, and, and brew pubs in Japan can be How, really small. What size grants are we talking? Do you, it really it must vary. Um, you apply for it. Yeah. And then you submit the business plan. We're doing it right now. I see. Um, yeah. For, for a project. And you have to justify you know, what you're asking for. Sure. And... So it could be enough to purchase some equipment. I, I don't. Yeah. I haven't spoken to somebody who's gotten a grant large enough to, you know, open up the whole brew pub. But I do know some brew pubs, for example, like oh, here's our chance to go into distilling, and they've gotten a grant and and, and that covered. So I, I should ask as as a, as a publisher of the the magazine, gosh, how much does it cover? Yeah, um, just out of curiosity, but you know, for for us, it, it's certainly enough to cover the project that we want to do. Mm-hmm. I see. I think that's money well spent. I think it's a, uh, uh, it's the right kind of uh, of investment it, it, back great. back in because they're giving you money to launch a business, trusting that you have the expertise. Because they look at your business, you you do have to submit your taxes and your business plan and all these, and mm. say, okay, well they've been successful until this point. Mm. So let's give them some more money and see if they can generate some more yeah business. And then of course Japan gets to tax that. Yep, they're successful. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a, a great use of taxpayer money. Yeah. So I mean, if you're going to give away money. Yeah. The bureaucracy in Japan isn't all evil. It's not. Yeah. yeah. You know, they shut down the alcohol. Maybe they felt bad. Or, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but well, because bu- look, I know, as as you know, from our many discussions mm-hmm. on the show, I, I don't I, I know enough about Japanese culture to carry on a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. But part of what I know is that alcohol is important. Oh my god! In the culture, so it doesn't surprise me to hear that even that statement. Even though I know you're speculating, they really might have felt bad. <laughs> it's like it's a part of the culture, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, maybe we got to do right by these folks. Yeah. Is, is that, this is isn't it? like Gavin Newsom at the French Laundry? Yeah, I mean, this is like right. all the politicians drink. And, you know, it's <laughs> right. like maybe we ought to do a good one by our friend. I'm sure they all have friends that are yeah. in the alcohol industry somehow. Yeah, um, at least you would hope. But I think they wanted to write the wrongs or at least the suffering of of the pandemic you know yeah. people did their part they did their shutdowns and it's like all right how do we fix it and the, the grants were a very clever way yeah to, to do it and it's not like those what are the the ppp loans that went to companies that didn't need yeah. them in america that irritated me so much yeah. because companies that just didn't need that money got it and misappropriated those funds and i i did i i really needed it yeah you know. Absolutely. We needed it. I'm only here because of those programs still, you know, yeah. because of our of our closures. So, yeah, seeing it being wasted in other ways, you know, like the PPP and you could say what you want about it. And people people certainly do um, was designed to stay open and retain employees. Mm. 
Well, that's exactly what I did. I have almost my entire staff from pre-pandemic and added new ones and we're here because of, and I, and so, and I'm, and I'm proud of that. And I'm, and I'm thankful that the program was created to allow me to do that. So my taxpayer money went to a good use. I'll have another beer. A a portion (laughs) of it did. Um, but I guess I'm saying, yeah, but there was also a lot of waste Mm -hmm. and I like the idea of, of a program that goes, okay, we're, we, we do have money for you. But it's for you to create with. It's for you to do what you've already proven you can do. And here's where it gets interesting. You have to have proof of concept. Mm. So you actually have to do it. You got to mm. launch it. They're saying you, you think you or think that money's coming. Yeah. So you do have to have the money to to go forward. But yeah, the money's there. They say okay, if you actually do what you say you're going to do, then we'll go. So I see. You, yeah. you do have to come up with some funds. But generally, you should be able to do that somehow, especially if you've got the government saying, hey. We're, we're waiting here with the, the honey bucket. So yeah. just make sure you do it. And then here you go. I think it's a smart investment. So, you know, investors, it's great for investors too, because they say, oh, well, you got the government behind you with the honey bucket. Well, here's our money to get it going. Yeah. Government dumps in, you know, the honey, the business is moving. Sure. Investors get their money back. You've created jobs. Very sensible program. It's not how Sapporo bought stone, is it? Not. <laughs> Sapporo is a very well. But I don't know what's going on. The, you know, what kind of things are going on between these? You know, these large companies and the government. There's a lot of yeah stuff going on. <laughs> sure, I'm, that's not in my pay grade. I'm, There's I'm, some back scratching. Yeah. Um, but Sapporo is a very old, traditional company. Very old. You know, this is this is going back. You know, uh, I gosh, I should should have looked up the the history of Sapporo. I'm going to guess they go back to um, late 1800s. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, Kirin's origins go back that far, uh, but Kirin's gone through various um, iterations before it came became Kirin, and it continues to evolve. Whereas uh, Sapporo is a very traditional conservative company. They, they've they've stayed stayed um, pretty consistent in their approach to the market. Hmm. Um, but I'd they, say they're making some. I mean, they're making some moves. Yes, and so and some of them are risky. They are. I think and, Stones are risky moves. Ah, yeah, and um, indeed, and, <laughs> and you know, before that, they 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 bought Anchor, and everyone's yeah. kind of like, mm, that's an interesting one. So Sapporo is interesting. Somebody described it to me as almost a real estate investment company. They have mm. a lot of real estate. Mm-hmm. And they buy, they have, they own their, their real estate holdings in Japan are huge. So mm. they, they may own this brewery, but they own the land. They own these. Right. So, yeah. Um, when they bought Anchor, there was a lot of speculation. Wow. They bought that, that property right there in uh, San Francisco. It's close to the, what the, the Warriors new stadium. I mean, close enough. Yeah. I mean, that's an investment. That's a, that's a nice real estate investment on its own. Yeah. And the, the price that they paid for Anchor was not a lot, but I went out with the team. Uh, the management team, you know, when, when after they acquired it, they sent in some folks and, you know, I went out with them. They're, they're genuine people. They wanted to really get a feel of San Francisco and understand more. And, and I think they were genuine when they said, you know, we, we invest in, in brands that have long-term potential mm. and you can say, well, yeah, anchors kind of gone off, but they, they saw it differently. They, yeah. I think they genuinely believe like, look, this is, you know, um, not, they might not be the rock star, and they're never going to be again. But, they but they're have also a story. probably not going anywhere. But they have a story. They yeah. have a legacy. And and Sapporo <laughs> is this old company. Said, well, that means something. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I took them by Toronado. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time, I don't know, Toronado still had Anchor Steam up, up, you know, and they're selling it for something like four dollars a pint. It's oh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. 
And the, the Sapporo people were so blown away. They're like, how, how, wait, that doesn't make sense. How are they making money? Yeah. And, 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 and Tornado said, the working man's got to drink too. Yeah. And it was so awesome. It was such an awesome moment in Sapporo. It just really changed their thinking. Like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. And because they did, they, they bought, you know, this brand that they wanted to have long-term potential. And it's important to have a, you know, a nice craft beer that's, you know, yeah, drinkable and, and affordable. And I think, I hope that's where they take it. I hope they try to continue that legacy forward. And well, how long have they owned it now? It's been a couple of years, For I a thought. A few years, yeah. It's a few, okay. Because it, a, an alcohol company, a liquor company bought it first, and then Sapporo bought that's it from true. them. Yes, that's true. So that first acquisition had to be almost 10 years ago. So, uh, yeah. I don't think it was that long. Maybe, okay. maybe close. Six, <clears throat> six, five, six years. I, yeah. in, I interviewed the CEO for our magazine, actually. Oh, yeah. Because um, Anchor's exported to Japan. Mm-hmm. It was just an interesting story. And, and, and that CEO, his name is, I believe it was Matt. I can't remember his last name right now. And he, he, you know, he sort of organized that um, deal with Sapporo. Yeah. Sapporo bought it. What's interesting that I just want to touch on this briefly before we move to these, this other acquisition. They also had the the the, the labor movement, the, the unionization efforts, mm. right? Yeah, and it's like, oh gosh, Sapporo, uh, sorry, um, anchors unionizing. This was like a big deal. People yeah. don't people forget about it. Yeah, and what did Sapporo do? They they handled that situation very well mm. in, in a very um, you know in good faith. They and allowed they, it. They allowed it. And yeah. as far as I know. Um, Things have been good. Obviously, with any sort of unionization effort, there's going to be some contention. I mean, you look at what's going on with Starbucks right now. Yeah. But Sapporo handled it, handled it with um, very professionally, mm-hmm. as far as I know, and, and anchors moving forward. Now the question is, what are they going to do with that brand? Yeah. And so I, I actually called up, you know, my my colleagues in, in Sapporo in that craft division, and we had a nice conversation. And it's like, what are you guys going to do with that? But you know, like you guys have this brand that's amazing, and I, yeah, and it's not like I'm trying to make myself out to be this this guru. They're going to listen to me, but I did <laughs> say, look, you guys have this an amazing brand, yeah, with a, with a great legacy, and I hope you do something great with it. And it's never going to be what it was, but it, it it's something I, I you know I hope you understand the legacy, and they did, yeah, they got it. So they're gonna they're gonna be. Um, good stewards of that brand i hope so did they answer you did they tell you what they just said we, they we said understand we, they said we're we're trying to we're thank you for telling us <clears throat> we needed to hear that and any other sort of information or opinions you have please share with us yeah and and, and write write us anytime or send us things and, and and let us know i mean we're we're interested in in hearing this as we decide what we're going to do with anchor yeah and then I, and then i knew they were Kind of because they had established this company in, inside to to not only manage Anchor but a sort of craft mm. label inside their department. So it was clear they were looking at expansion, <clears throat> and they hinted without hinting, "This isn't the end. There's okay. going to be something more." Yeah, and of course with Kirin, we knew after after the the acquisition of. Um, or rather, they they made an investment in Brooklyn Brewery. We had Robin on the show, I think. Yeah, Ottawa last time I was on. And then they bought New Belgium. That wasn't a surprise at all. So, okay. Yeah. Know, Kirin's looking like sort of New Sapporo was looking, but then Stone. That. Yeah. It didn't surprise you, but it surprised me. Maybe because. Hmm. Well, it, let's take I, a break. I, I, yeah. Before I get in Stone, and I'm not going to say it didn't surprise me. I'll give you a little more insight into yeah. it. Um, yeah. Not the way it surprised others is all. 
We'll take a quick break. We're talking with Rye about uh, uh, the Japanese beer scene and, and acquisitions right here on the session. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We are still speaking with Rai uh, from Japan Beer Times, and uh, we're talking acquisitions. We were just about to talk about the, I guess, the most recent surprising one, Stone. <laughs> which is where Greg Cook from Stone finally uh, caved, and uh, imagine that it was purchased by Sapporo. Yeah. Now, and you know, I should have reached out to Greg because to see if he'd be on the show. I just kind of didn't think he would. I know him and I thought maybe he'd do it for me, but uh, I didn't know I'd get any real answers anyway, so I didn't bother. I might one of these days, see if he wants to come on. But, you know, my only issue, by the way, with that buyout in terms, you know, as a craft beer fan, I've never been that craft beer fan that calls people sellouts and is Mm -hmm. mad about it. I I just, I think it's the American dream. Business is a business, right? Yeah. The, The mistake I think he made was to say never. Mm. Don't ever say never. <laughs> you know, Lagunitas went through that same thing as well. Just why? We're never going to bottle. We're never going to sell out. But I don't know. understand why anybody bothers saying never anymore. It's just messaging, you know. I guess so, but it would make me feel like a douchebag. I don't say never. Um, but I, you feel I, that conviction and then life changes and you don't feel that conviction. <laughs> so I think that's how it happens. People change. I guess you're right. right. I guess you're right. But here's why I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a struggling brand in terms of its debt ratio. Mm. Uh, they made some big moves. I think that they at a time that th- they thought would would pay off, and then the industry changed right around that same time. It's a tough industry right yeah. now. Um, you know, it, there's a, if you read between the lines, um, or if you get some of these honest articles that come out and don't just keep patting ourselves on the back in the craft beer industry, if you read between the lines, there's some trouble brewing out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you acquire so much debt, even though you're the size of a stone, and and you have a, I still think they have a strong brand, uh, certainly locally in San Diego. Um, it's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. And they just took on a bunch more debt not that long ago. Um, and then I think, like I said, the industry kind of changed. So the writing is on the wall. Now, was Greg ever going to be broke and homeless if Stone failed? No. I'm sure he saved up enough of everything over time to be okay. But did he want to see the brand just go under, even though he can just go back to Hawaii and live out his life with enough money, right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's why I'm I'm not surprised. I don't think that Greg's a hypocrite, by the way, even though I say he should never have said never. I don't think he's a hypocrite. I think what you said, things change. And if he wanted the brand to survive, he didn't have a whole lot of other choices. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of debt there, mm-hmm. right? So also... Did you see the purchase price? It was it's a, a it's a fucking discount. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he's walking away uh, a, a a multi well, any more of a multimillionaire than he already was. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's getting pennies or anything, but when you if 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 when the balance sheet becomes public, mm-hmm. I think everyone's going to know that that was a bargain. I, this is not inside information from me. I didn't I don't and, talk to Greg. Know, just but, to add, you know, he he did what he loved <clears> in life. And, and yeah. felt passionately about. So mm-hmm, he, I, mm-hmm. I think whatever the price is, we can't. Oh gosh, like man, what a what a failure! He did what he loved yeah. in his life, and that we, we should recognize that totally. Um, and, and and he built a great he carried thing. the flaming torch for yeah craft brewing for a long time. Um, yeah, but things, for better or worse, things, things change, and um, this is what happened. Uh, yeah, I, I admit I wasn't 
necessarily surprised by Stone being sold because I knew of difficulties, mm-hmm. certainly uh, from former Stone employees who had become, you know, you're wearing a, a White Labs hat. And I mm-hmm. met some who were working at White Labs and saying, yeah, we got laid off. Now we're here. Like, Ooh, you know, employee yeah. cuts. And then you saw the market share and it's like, ah, mm-hmm. some troubles are brewing. And, um, and, and for those, those size breweries, there was, there was always a challenge because everyone saw what ballast did the billion dollar sale. And right. so they wanted that sort of traje- trajectory, I think. And a lot of them took on debt trying to become big and then just craft breweries exploded in America, thousands of them. So they started shrinking. And I, and I had this mm-hmm. conversation with uh, Bart Watson, mm-hmm. you know, the, the chief economist at, at the brewing, uh, sorry, at the, the Brewers Association. I was like, Oh, like, you know, when <clears throat> there was uh, the CBC in DC, what, three, four years ago, it was like, well, these sort of mid-tier breweries, man, aren't they in trouble? Because they took on all this debt. They tried to expand thinking that the future was balanced point, And yet mm-hmm. suddenly you've got a thousand, two thousand new breweries taking up market share in your backyard. How are you going to survive? Yeah. Coronado did okay. They survived. I was worried about them. But yeah. Stone, you know, obviously they felt the pinch. And, um, and they probably, you know, Greg knows this. Greg's mm-hmm. a smart guy. Mm-hmm. He probably should have sold five years ago. Eight years ago, he probably when they were knocking down his door and offering him probably close to a bill like everyone else was mm-hmm. getting, that's probably the time he should have done it. Now, would that have been the right thing for the brand? Mm-hmm. If you look at Ballast Point, I think it's easy to say no. He would have cashed out mm-hmm. and and done very very well for the rest of his life, which I hope that and he's probably going to be okay anyway. Mm-hmm. But the Ballast Point brand just tanked. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Kings and Convict bought that thing for a penny too. <laughs> uh, so you know, that's um, too bad. It was such a. I mean, I like Ballast. I still like Ballast. I mean, I I hope Colby is still there brewing. Colby Chan, he was the yeah. you know, specialist brewer, and I think Colby's still involved. I hope so a great guy making uh, great beers there. So I don't. I still have some love great for the people. brand. And well, I have love for the people who who built there, it. There you go. And 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 also, and I said this earlier. This is why I don't. I'm not the mad guy about the acquisitions. Mm-hmm. I consider it the American dream. Mm-hmm. And by the way, so does everybody else. They just forget about it when it's their favorite band, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, but you all believe in the American dream, which is, uh, you know, start a company out of your garage and later sell it for a billion dollars. Okay, Ballast Point. They're the epitome of that, even more so, I think, than Lagunitas. I mean, Lagunitas just like stonered his way through it, right? Now, <laughs> did he did he make sacrifices and work hard? I'm sure he did. But, you know, Jack White from Ballast, you know, opens a homebrew shop in a, a tiny, it's still there, a tiny little homebrew shop. And next to it, in the available space to lease next to it, he opens Ballast Point mm-hmm. and, and toils on those two projects for years, for mm-hmm. a very long time. And then... Uh, with a little help uh, toward the end um, and, and all the way through, you know, builds it into a billion dollars. <laughs> and I you mean, know what? God wow. bless him. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, well, what happened to the employees? I mean, the VP Earl Kite and then Yousef, mm-hmm. they're, they're now crushing it with Cutwater Spirit. So yep. the people people made out okay. That's they got right. The father, they, they got to pursue further dreams. Yes. You know? and And I think Jack White, what was part of that they they those were part of of the deal i wish we had jamil was going to be in here with us today too and he's probably not allowed to talk about everything mm-hmm. with his brewery's acquisition but i i do think 
he would talk about how uh, there were guarantees about that his staff would be okay mm-hmm. and that, that that they could still be working there because that's the type of person he is. And mm-hmm. I think that's the type of person Jack White was, mm-hmm. even though he's now a billionaire. I don't think that's a, a message on his character, mm-hmm. right? Anyhow. I One quick story. Yeah. Jack White came to Japan. We went out uh, one night and you know I took him and his wife and, and Colby and we were drinking... <clears throat> You know, shochu and sake till like three or four in the morning in these oh, back yeah. street bars in, in Japan. It was a great memory. That was the last I saw Jack. Um, but he had, you know, ambitions shooting yeah. for the moon. I've kept, you know, more or less in touch with, with Colby every now and then. We'll send emails. And it's been a few years, actually. Hmm. But, you know, good people. And I think that's what's important. To yeah. Re- oh, these sellouts. You know, they, no, these are good people. Yep. Yep. Who, who worked people. hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, uh, you know, why isn't anybody complaining about like the, the kid that, that didn't really work that hard in another industry and sold a brand for a billion dollars? Like no mm-hmm. one complains about that. But, you know, Brewers, <laughs> Cole, uh, Jack White broke his back for 10 years before the, that, that company was worth a shit. Right. So mm-hmm. I just think, yeah, you were, you're barking up the wrong tree. Um, now. Greg made himself an easy target. So I'm not really going to shush people for making fun of Greg now. Right. Uh, he made himself an easy target. But I still am. The, the surprise. I mean, sorry. To, yeah. It was just like, wait, Sapporo bought Stone? There was just such disjunction when I saw that news. And yeah. again, I said it, I, was a, I was surprised because I, I usually. I, I've got <laughs> intel, man. I, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. a little ego they thing. Like, wait, how did I not? Like, like, I, I, when, I, when I see stuff happen, I'm like, yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't put it out there. But that one just really caught me off guard. So good yeah. good for Sapporo for their OPSEC there, their yeah, operational security. Because I like, didn't pick on <laughs> um Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Don't you think that they... I see them picking up on, on cool brands. Mm-hmm. Okay, but with Stone... They also got a massive production facility. And don't you think that's... In fact, for the price that they paid, I don't think they paid for the brand. I think they paid for the facilities and the infrastructure. Like I said, Sapporo is... They think more broadly. They look mm. at in, in investment in property, mm-hmm. infrastructure, real mm-hmm. estate, things like that. So, And they're, they're savvy. They saw something that maybe you and I and the rest of the, the beer industry doesn't quite see. And we think, oh, you know, why did they buy that? They, they saw something. They, yeah. They make clever buys. So they're going to do something good with Stone. I, I, I have that faith. Yeah. Um, what, what they're going to do, I don't know. They, they, seem long-term, they see long-term potential. Maybe they'll use the facilities. Um, I hope I can say this. Are they going to uh, brew Stone in Japan? So Stone is still imported. Stone was one of the first imports in Japan. It wasn't quite the first, but it was the big brand. Mm-hmm. Um, the Stone's importer actually got his big break with North Coast. Okay. But then after that, Stone, he, he tells me the story, uh, Andrew Balmuth of uh, Nagano Trading. He imports Lagunitas, Sierra Nevada, you know, a combination of craft and, and, and you know, craft-acquired brands. Mm-hmm. But he, I never forget this, the story because he was really excited about how he pulled over his car. He's like, yes, it's Greg. And Greg's like, listen, man, you got the deal. You can import us. But just do it right. And he did it right. And he built Stone out, the brand in Japan. And Stone was the big driver of, of craft beer imports in Japan. Okay. Um, and so when I heard Stone got acquired, that was my first thought. Oh, oh gosh, this, you know, Andrew, who had built that brand up mm. in Japan. And that was really the... 
the leading edge of, of craft beer imports in Japan. It wasn't the first, you know, Brooklyn Brewery was actually the first. They'd been there for a long time. Rogue had been there for a long time, but really Stone pushed out into the market. Mm. Sapporo, so yeah, you can still import them. You still, oh, so, even now you're saying cool. that's yeah. recent. So okay. I, I might be getting in trouble by sharing this, but um, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that that's cool. Like Sapporo, um, they're like, you know, let's let's keep things as they are, but let's let's sort of yeah figure it out from here. Okay. Will they eventually brew stone in Japan and, and, and start distributing it? I don't know. It's kind of cooler if you, mm. it, whether it's environmentally friendly to, to brew in California and then, you know, export right. Japan. I don't know, but um, I don't know either. That See, that one, I, I would be confused if, if five years from now they're not brewing some of stone there. Yeah. You know, stone IPA. They're, they're going to brew, they're going to be one or two of the brands you know, there. Brooklyn Brewery was <laughs> brewed in. Japan, and I wasn't offended by it. Even Robert, yeah. uh, Robin, and uh, Garrett Oliver would come over and taste it and say, "Hey, guys, you need to make these tweaks." And yeah, and uh, I assume Kirin's yeah brewing it over there. I'm not offended by it. It tastes like Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah. Um. So will they? Um. Probably, maybe not. Who knows? What? what that's the mystery. I mean, yeah. What will Sa- Sapporo do with that brand? I, I, the most I can say is I think they'll take good care of it. They're, they've been hmm. good stewards of, okay. of brands. So who do you think is next? Uh, or what are a couple options for Sapporo that might not surprise you? Well, Sapporo or Kirin or, or whatever. I mean, when Modern Times one, came, sure. up, yeah. came up, I was like, oh, oh. Because <laughs> they're yeah. in Japan. I, so Yeah, yeah. Um, but honestly, <clears throat> and, and this is, I'm not, I'm not, um, trying to be pejorative or anything mm-hmm. um, modern times is a small brand yeah uh stone's big um so you know i, I gosh i'm speaking honestly here hmm. um youngling in, in pennsylvania was one that i was always curious hmm. about because there was there was an interesting tradition in that that company that the the children always had to buy from the parent you know the, the yeah. story and so yeah. I, I i guess the the four daughters had to buy from the father, and that was the deal. And I always wondered, hmm, that's going to be a tough one. Yes, time but, goes but, on, yeah. but it's such an American brewery, you know. It's like, yeah. it's like my granddaddy's. I mean, they're the oldest. Brand. I think. Yeah. I think they're actually the oldest American. I, I don't think that would sell. But if you think about Privately something owned. like that, uh, I, it, you know, I don't think Younglings a target. I'm just using mm-hmm. that as an example. That was one yeah. where I thought, ooh, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, There's not a ton left that so, are that are the size of stone. And I, I haven't been on on top of things. Just I'm. Going to speak freely because I'm on my third pint and, and I'm thinking about <laughs> yeah. brands that are yeah. awesome to buy. Yeah, is Cigar City owned by anybody? Yeah, uh, but that they could be sold again. They're owned by that like investment group, so not even another brewery. And I've it's been so long now since I reported okay. on that. It's like a small investment group that was buying up just a couple little breweries, okay. similar to who bought who bought Heretic. Okay. not the same company, mm-hmm. but just a small like funding group. Okay, you know. Um, New Belgium, I knew was going to go. I just, yeah, I, I, I didn't have any insight. It didn't surprise me at all when no, the hearing no. came in. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I think I've seen people around here looking at hop grenades, saying, oh, oh, we're it's, gonna, "It's yours. We're going to come in and drop, <laughs> so cheap. We're going to drop a billion on you, man. <laughs> um, That's so cheap. Yeah." You know, the only company there's, I'd say there's only two breweries I would oh, be surprised. I got one. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Because I just got back from Minneapolis and I was blown away by Surly. Surly, yeah. I was just like, wow, awesome. Yeah. I mean, though, like that. I think they're going to get bought. They're awesome. I mean, the beer's awesome. The 
the branding's awesome. The facilities are awesome. They own the Midwest. Yeah, but I don't think that their numbers are as awesome as their appearance. Hmm. And I don't have that as firsthand information, so forgive me, Surly, Mm -hmm. if I'm getting that wrong. But um, again, a lot of investment that they put into that brand, Mm -hmm. and um, it's such a cool place and cool beer. Um, I could see them getting acquired for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, the only there's like two breweries I'd be surprised about it selling. Okay. And... And Maui's not one of them. Now, Garrett's another guy who's a staunch advocate for independent beer. Heck, he's on the he's the head of the, the board of directors on the Brewers Association. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he sold eventually. Really? I'd only be surprised mm-hmm. if Sierra Nevada sold, believe it or not. I don't think they'd sell. And Russian River. I don't think they'd sell. I don't think That's so just either. my opinion. Mine too. Those are the only two. And if they do, they do. And Yeah, know. I won't hate it. I, I would just be surprised. I would mm-hmm. actually go, all right, nope, I wouldn't have bet on that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, if, you know, even if you'd given me good odds. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. But, I think that, that Sierra, first of all, has a succession program, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's already in the works. The kids are running the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have to check in with their dad quite a bit. Yeah, they're running yeah. the show. Um, so I think that because there's a succession plan, mm. that's not happening in my lifetime. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Russian River. I don't really know Vinny or Natalie at all. I've you know, met them a few times. They, of course, they don't remember me because they mm. meet everyone. I meet everybody, yeah. But they've built a great brand. They live the American dream. It, it's awesome. And what if... And they love what they do. Yeah, but what, you know, there comes a time in your life when you want to do other things. And what if Sapporo came along... And very respectfully, just I'm using top one and say, we're going to be great stewards of your brand. Mm. It doesn't have to be. What if it's Duvel? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, great, awesome. Yeah. So they continue that brand. If, if Duvel or it's Sapporo, they come in and they continue that brand for everyone's enjoyment. And they, they, they hold on to the staff and they somehow maintain the culture yeah. that, that's been established there, which is, I think, the most important part of a business, why Apple is still successful after Steve Jobs. Sure. Because the culture's been maintained. I, fine. Let that acquisition happen. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that happening. You're right. And they and I know that they if they have a succession plan, they, they, it's not public. They don't have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not, there's not that happening. I guess I just know that Vinny still loves brewing beer every day. Like, he's just in the brewery every day. And so that you, I just find that hard to, yeah, but you're right. One day, uh, you, you don't want to do that or you can't anymore or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, I guess you don't just let the brand vanish at yeah, that point. Yeah. And by the way, it's funny that you mentioned Duvel because, uh, they're friends, uh, uh with the Firestone folks. Yeah. So, you know what? You just maybe changed my mind. If the, 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 if if I wouldn't be surprised if if if, Firestone if, went. if if ten well Firestone's gone. They're to develop. Oh yeah. Oh, that's but right. if okay. Russian yeah, River yeah. went to Duval, oh, if, if 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 it was announced, hey, Duval has also now acquired Russian River. If it happened in the next ten years, I'd be surprised. After that, yeah, yeah, I could see that. But you know. the thing is, I don't, I don't think Kirin or Sapporo's done. Yeah, but I don't. I, 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 I think they're just open. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're actively looking. I knew there was a time when Kirin was actively looking. They made it very clear. They told me. Mm. They asked me, like, who, what are some breweries that you yeah, yeah. would be, like, that you think would be good? 
Yeah. And um, New Belgium was just a, it was so obvious. It was, so it was going to happen. And, and yeah. actually, we were tipped off because there was a Kim Jordan sighting in Japan. And we're like, yeah, uh, it's New happening. Belgium's gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, obviously, we didn't share that on social media because that's their business, whatever. It's yeah. Like we, we report on the news. Um, right. I think it was, uh, I, I can't remember my, my staff saw her or, or or somebody from new belgium i remember getting the report and saying guys don't don't put that on social we're not media. a tabloid here it's yeah. just yeah um yeah but i don't think hearing's done they yeah. can't be they can't as a company because beer consumption's declining in in japan domestic because of, of demographic declines so as a publicly traded company they have to keep growing their business so yeah. they're gonna have to make acquisitions whether they do it in australia where they have, have a good record um mm. or they do it in europe I don't know. Yeah, don't they own Little Creatures? Little is that creatures, what they own there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. And they've been good, like like Sapporo, they've been good stewards of yep. that brand. Yeah. You know, Japan, the, the, those companies have been good, mm. good good management. And then what happens when Asahi uh, mm-hmm. or, or Suntory decides that they want to get into that as well? Because their shareholders are saying, wait, hey, hey right. like, why, why, why are you guys getting in? So, because like, the, the domestic game's done, even yeah. if we're doing you know, whiskey or other beverages. So let's go out and acquire some breweries. So, so where's the, where's the growth? Where's the action? Yeah. Mm, it's America, man. Um, so <laughs> yeah. like, where, where, where do they, for now, uh, what's, uh, what's Mitch Steele doing down in Atlanta? That sounds like a good, that's, that's where I threw yeah. my dart. What's oh, he doing? There down there? He's got two places down uh-huh. there, I think. Right? For, for so, those that don't know, yeah. Mitch Steele, former stone brewer for a long time yeah, and then yeah. moved to Atlanta and opened up a place. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's got two places in Atlanta now. An interesting one uh, is it uh, uh, Keith, who's doing the uh, who who launched Blue Moon. Yeah, he opened up a marijuana brewery in in Colorado. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so. he, he was just a keynote at the homebrewers conference. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. A, a marijuana brewery would be an, a difficult acquisition for a Japanese company, but <laughs> right. Yeah, you're looking for growth. Yeah, um, that's one. Yeah. Well, the 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 South American company that bought Ballast also invested heavily in cannabis up in Canada, uh, too. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe that's a Asahi. I don't know, but yeah, but, well, it will be interesting mm-hmm. to keep watching. But they're the number of of that that size brewery is they're shrinking. They're, they're sort of mid tier. Yeah, we, Summit. We speaking of of Minnesota, mm-hmm. Summit is still there, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, that's one that could uh, is Bell Bell's is still. They were Bell's about still they were about to sell and somehow pulled back. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, with with that one. So that's a big one that could still go. Coronado again, yeah, still on the table. But I yeah, I haven't spoken to right Chapman in years. And but and then the other thing it, it, we're going to see is like what happened to Heretic and what happened to Cigar City, where these smaller investment groups buy clusters. Mm-hmm. So for so my understanding of the Heretic purchase is that they're looking for others. They want a little cluster mm-hmm. of about that size. So that can happen because Jamil he was on the big size of a small uh, big side of a small brewery. Um, Obviously not a not a not a massive regional regional, but mm-hmm. but pretty good size. So I think we'll see more of that. Um, I've got a question for you. If you were to acquire a brewery, yeah, who would you acquire? Russian River. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's too easy. Come on, give us something like yeah. under the you know just under the radar, right? You're like, oh, this place, boom. Yeah. So my sort I've of got one. My sort of acquisition would just be it. I, I, 
I, I like over the counter sales. Mm -hmm. I, that's why I opened a bar. So I would open a, a really small local mm -hmm. or I would purchase a really small local mm -hmm. brewery. Uh, I don't know if I had to throw a couple names out there, uh, you know, uh, original pattern down mm -hmm. in Oakland, mostly because I love the brewer. He's such a great, great brewer. And I like that location. And I want to be in a place where they're going to build the next Oakland A's stadium <laughs> that, that's a good one. without starving for the next five mm -hmm. years while it's being built. That's a good one. Um, stuff like that. You know what I, you know what, what location I really like is uh, Almanac out on Al, uh, out on yes, Alameda yes. and they've got a lot of good infrastructure. Um, Beautiful facility. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they're exported yeah. to Japan. It's another one. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. They, they really went the, it, the, the, uh, distribution and export, uh, Avenue early on as a brewery, mm -hmm. even before they had much volume. And I think that was a smart move for them, mm -hmm. especially during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, because that wasn't all just over the counter sales, you know, I, I've got two. One of them's funny. Um, mm. Fieldwork, mm. obvious one because they're awesome. But you know, I'm, go back with 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 Barry and Alex, co-founders. My my office in, in America is actually in the same building. Mm. Barry introduced me to them, so <clears throat> thank you, Fieldwork. Yeah, but I always joke like, hey. You know, Barry, I'm, I'm meeting with Kirin. Like, how much are you? <laughs> and he's like, we're not for sale. Oh my it's funny, you know, because it's such a great brand. He's like, why would anyone want us? Because, you know, they operate taverns. But what a great Well, brand. right. He really uh, capitalizes on the ability to have multiple taverns. Barry, mm -hmm. so Barry is the guy I call mm -hmm. when I'm about to make decisions oh. about, like, if I, about growth decisions. Uh, my GM here and I, Kevin, we call Barry. He's a smart guy, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And he, he's a lucky motherfucker, I think. He's, he's yeah. such a... I hope he's listening. He's such a curmudgeon, <laughs> a lovable curmudgeon, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always been a strong supporter of us, and uh -huh. and a, he, he and he's just he's smart. Uh -huh. The places that he's opened and the way he's done it, yeah. Um, I'd buy field work, but I'd keep him on. Yes, <laughs> yes. It would be part of the deal. And, and Alex too. I mean, you yeah. know. Oh, of course, like of course. His recipes are just yeah. I mean, we were talking about modern times to bring it back to the beginning. Yeah, you know, Alex was a part of the launch of modern times. Okay, right? I forgot right? that. Yeah, he was the brewer there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so everyone's like, "Well, you can't launch a brewery without a good brewer." He was, he was there. Yeah. Um, the second one, I don't, I don't really have any sort of personal like I, I, sort, I know some of the people there but i've always been impressed by the quality and the branding of berryessa oh yeah I, I really like them as a small brewery great beer yeah and, um you know like as, a, as an acquisition that's a romantic one it's not like sure. a big business plan but it's a, yeah it's like one i i think yeah yeah I'd, I'd be really happy if i sure you know on that so since we're talking, that's a good question mm -hmm. since that you've asked me since we're talking acquisitions, but the truthful answer mm -hmm. would really have been, it, it, I should have opened a brewery 15 years ago. And since I didn't, and I chose the brewing network instead, Here we are. I would never open a brewery now. I would never yes. buy a brewery. I would never open a brewery. I would open another tap room concept, not exactly like the one I already own here at the mm -hmm. Hop Grenade. It mm -hmm. would have to be different. Mm -hmm. I would do that. But I wouldn't, I would never open a brewery. No. I, have, I have a really hard question because mm. you're running a radio mm. station podcast. In addition to this, I'm running a media company, a magazine company. In addition, I get some funds from the import of raw materials. Mm -hmm. And I think about this all the time. If I could have gone back in my life, would I have opened a magazine company? It's right. Such, yeah. It's such a legacy business and a radio company. Yeah. And it's a hard, and I, I want everyone to think about this. Like you, yeah. get, you get 15, 20 years into your life, you're like, 
well, this is just the railroad I'm on, you know? Do you ever feel <laughs> yeah, that way? Yeah, oh yeah. You get, right, you get to a certain age and, and a certain point in your career where you're like, could I start over? Yeah, but do I want I'm too, to? I'm too no, late for me. Fuck you know? that, yeah. Uh, I would have done it the same. I, I would have still opened the podcast company. Mm-hmm. The At the time, it was an online radio company. Mm-hmm. I would have done that. But about five years in, I should have opened a brewery mm. alongside. I should have put the the podcast, the radio station in a brewery. I should have hired the right brewers, uh, gone and found the investment and taken the hop grenade brand. I think that that route, that's the only change I, I, I would make. But I'm not completely disappointed with my decisions. I love being a bar owner even though it kind of sucks a lot of the times. It's just, it's kind of in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I work so long in the service industry. Uh, so I, I'm, not, I'm not too mad at the choice I made. Of course, during COVID and right now coming out of it, it's, it's so easy to second guess, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, when we were doing great, I'm, I'm just thinking I made all the best decisions in the world. And so now though, you're like, you know, things haven't bounced back yeah. quite. Our location is having some trouble. We already closed one location in Colorado. Mm. And it, so it's easy to like second guess yourself when, <laughs> you know. And, and I wanted to bring this up because there's probably a lot of people listening now, you know, who in the beer industry or whatever, you know, faced hard times. And in and, and running our magazine, there was a point where I called up my mom, my dad, and said, you know, I had, I had a good run. I, mm. I, I believed in the magazine industry. I believe in the publishing industry, but it's done. We're not going to make it. Wow. Yeah. And I've had the talk with my employees and we're going to shut down. And my mom said, well, really? Are you, you always say like things are rough. I was like, no, mom, I've actually started like, the downloading yeah. applications for like law school or something like i don't know right. what i'm gonna yeah. do with my life i've had to talk with my wife <clears throat> yeah and yet we made it to the next month and it was so shocking mm-hmm. when 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 sponsors came back and like ah we got your back yeah like, well hey mom we got another three four <laughs> weeks of cash i don't <laughs> we'll see and, and and i just want everyone to know like we yeah. we don't talk about it enough in this industry how hard it's been during the industry because everyone's like oh yeah, you, you, yeah. Don't, you don't want to show how hard it is and it's been hard and we survived through you know supporting each other and yeah. need to keep supporting each other and you know if, if if you fold if you're one of those people that fold well hopefully you did everything that you could and that's yeah. why that's where i'm proud where i did everything that i could and i had the honest conversation with my employees i don't know how we're gonna make it mm. you know mm-hmm. what should we do what can we do but we're here. I'm sitting here, you know, and hopefully we can keep going. And and the reason I ask you is because yeah. it's easy to second guess your decisions in life. Yeah. About what what you did, but when you make it through something hard, you're like, that was awesome. Yeah. Like I did it, and <laughs> yeah. I still love doing this. I'm, I'm I'm happy to be here on the radio show and still talk to you about the industry. And yeah, you know, we talk about we're talking about Stone. You know, like this much bigger company with a lot more money that had to sell. Right. And yet we we survived. It's not because we're clever. We we had different decisions, but you know, it was a bit of luck. You, you, you got to yeah, luck and, and and just be comfortable with what you you you've done yeah. and the decisions you made and the choices you've made. And you know, if anyone's out there just grinding, like keep grinding, you know, totally. But think about it. But just keep going because it and feels we had that moment in in the Brewing Network already. Mm-hmm. 
um, years ago where I talked to everybody and I've talked about that on the air. I said, you know, we're, we're going to one more great American beer festival. And if we don't get any sponsors out of that, you know, we were already streaming the awards for them mm-hmm. by then. We had a ton of listeners, but the sponsors just weren't responding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, that's, that'll, that'll be it. We're going to go, we're going to put on our show. We're going to have the booth. We're going to do what we do mm-hmm. and sign autographs. But behind the scenes, if nothing, cha- you know, that's, that's our last shot. And lo and behold, we come home from GABF and the phone starts ringing. Awesome. And advertisers are responding and they want to be a part of the network. So I've had that in the brewing network once. Uh, <laughs> could happen again, I suppose. Um, and and we're maybe we're 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 maybe there with with, with the hop grenade where we're going. Hey, uh, we're and we're doing everything we can. This is things have got to turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, and my team here is amazing. They they come in with new ideas every day, um, and so. Uh, I do think you got to be real and honest about it. And, and I think the one thing you, you, you said that I, I agree with most is I know for both of my companies, I, I do have to feel like I did every single thing that could be done, mm-hmm. at least in my power. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, there are people that are smarter than me that maybe could have done better. But uh, as long as I've done everything I can in my power, then I'll just call more beer and ask if I can have a job. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you to our advertisers. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we wouldn't be around without them. So, yeah, thank I know. You. It's important. And I say the same thing all the time. And our listeners, our listeners donate as well. Awesome. And those of you who've been donating for a long time, I know I say this all the time, but they have no idea how many times they've saved my ass. Our, our listeners I have no idea. It's only from a proportion of our listeners that, that download our show. The number of them that donate is is tiny. But the number of times that they've saved this company's ass, they have no idea, is massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, by by subscribing, by donating, by going to our events, our events uh, help us out quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we thank them all the time. Thank you guys. You know, and more and beer, gals. having been my sponsor like since before I'd ever did my first show, and they just have always believed in me. They continue to do so today. You know, listener numbers dropped a bit during COVID, and and more beer calls me, and they they just want to know how they can help. They're not going, hey, we're, we're pulling out here. They're just like, well, what more can we do? You know, and that stuff, that's super helpful. And it's inspirational. I hope I get to return the favor to some other small company I one day. I think about that all the time, too. Right? Yeah. One day we want to have yeah. their back. That's right. That's right. All right, Rye, it has been great talking with you as Thank always. You uh, we'll have to get you on again sooner than later. Um, it's fascinating what's happening all over the place. It so uh, let's stay in touch. Even if we just come on and do some little segments, you know, if you got if you got some info about the next acquisition, or always got bits. Um, <laughs> I also I know you got some surprises up your sleeve with your with your own companies. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep us uh, informed about all of that too. Um, it'll be it'll be fun to fun to keep watching you grow. All right, folks, I'm going to get us out of here. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, it's uh, We need you as, as, as listeners as well as supporters. Uh, send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. You can also hit the donate button on our homepage. That'll uh, allow you to donate via pay- PayPal. Or, you know, just uh, support our sponsors that support us. You can shop on Amazon by clicking the Amazon link on our homepage. There's all sorts of ways to, to help out, and we appreciate it all the time. I got another show coming up for you this weekend, um, Liquid Gravity, and I'm hoping all Altamont are going to be here on some collaboration beers that they did. Plus, I got some video footage of my party with them this past weekend uh, where we released those collab beers. We'll be releasing them here at the Hop Grenade on Saturday. All right, folks, hang in there. Take care of yourselves and your beer. 